Welcome back to Search the Scriptures. Great to be back with all of our listeners again today and how blessed we are to have this opportunity to come together each day and open up God's Word and study a little further. I've said many times, you know, there are people in a number of countries around the world who would love to have a Bible. They would love to have even a portion of the Bible so they could read it because they don't have any. Bibles are not readily, uh, readily accessible to them. In some cases, they might be forbidden to some extent. Oh, how they would love to have a copy of God's Word, to learn from it, to grow through it. We have Bibles readily accessible to anybody who wants one, basically, in this country. In fact, probably most households have more than one copy of God's Word in their household somewhere. Maybe it's on a bookshelf, maybe it's on a coffee table, maybe it's uh, put away someplace. But we have the copies. But so many of us don't really read the Bible, if at all, very little. Well, we've got copies, but we don't take advantage of having those copies. And so we don't know God's Word. We just don't know God's Word. I remember in 1976, I was in college, and one of my very respected college instructors was speaking, and he was an individual who was known all over the country and in other parts of the world as well. Very fine Christian man, as well as a great Bible teacher. And he was, he was asked, I believe, what do you see as the most significant event or happening in the first, in the first three quarters of this century? And he said, the gradual drifting away from God's word. Now, we could make applications from that, state, from that statement in different directions, but as we have looked back and now, of course, and I'd say that was 1976, it was 1975, I believe. As we look back from that day until now, we're talking about another 45 years since then. Do you think we've gotten closer to God in those intervening 45 years? I think we would say absolutely not. I'm talking about as a people in general, as a people of this country, and I think we could express that further, people throughout the world. Do you think we're closer as people to God through his word? Resoundingly, no, I would say. Why is that? People don't read his word. People don't study his word. And that's just an evidence of their lack of commitment to God and to follow God faithfully. How can you be faithful to God if you don't know what God expects from us in way, by way of faithfulness? He expresses that to us. He communicates it to us through his word. If you don't read his word, if you don't study his word in some way, how can you be faithful to God? Oh, you can say, I believe in God. 
But remember, James says in James chapter 2, the demons in hell believe so much they tremble. But they're certainly not with God. Here on Search the Scriptures, we try to help us get into God's Word and learn it effectively and see the applications that he expects us to make. We pray for you. We want to help you get to heaven. We pray that as you learn more and more, as we study together more and more, that you make up your mind to come to God through Jesus Christ for forgiveness and salvation, repenting of your sins, confessing your faith in Christ, and surrendering to him in baptism, wherein the blood that he shed on the cross will cleanse you of the guilt of your sins. But that's just the beginning of a reborn life then to live faithfully until death. As Jesus said, you need to do. And he'll be waiting with the crown of life for you at the end. Our prayers are for you. And we really do pray for you. We're going to finish up this particular section that we've been looking at over the last several sessions together on cheap grace. We're studying about grace generally, but we're looking at it in depth and we're looking at it from several different perspectives. And in this particular section, we're talking about cheap grace and how a lot of people cheapen their concept of grace, God's grace, because they want the blessings of being saved, of being forgiven, of being redeemed, of saying they believe in God and in Christ, but they don't want to have to make the commitment of living the life of a Christian. They want to be okay doing their own thing and be able to say, I believe in God, I love God, I love the Lord, I love Jesus, and that being enough. They don't want to have to live a committed life as a Christian. And that just won't get it. Because you see, To claim salvation without commitment cheapens God's grace. It shows terrible disrespect for the price that God paid to give us the opportunity to be saved. And God's grace is not cheap. In Acts chapter 20 and verse 28, we read this. Therefore, take heed to yourselves and to all the flock. The Apostle Paul is speaking to the elders from the congregation at Ephesus. Take heed to yourselves and to all the flock among whom the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. The purchase price of the church. Now remember, the Lord adds to the church those who are coming to salvation daily. Acts 2 and verse 47. The purchase price for the church, the life, the physical life, the blood of God's Son our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Oh, 
that's not a cheap price. God's grace is not cheap. The price he paid to give us the opportunity to be saved by his grace was not cheap. In Ephesians chapter 5, Ephesians chapter 5 and verse 25, the Apostle Paul wrote this, Husbands, love your wives, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her. Gave himself for her. In other words, again, died on that cross to establish the church. In Ephesians 1 and verse 17, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The glory. Let's go back to verse 7. Ephesians 1 and verse 7. In him we have redemption through his blood, the blood shed on the cross, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. What was the cost of God's offer of salvation by grace? What was the cost that we could be redeemed and forgiven of our sins? The blood of Christ. His physical life on that cross. Verse 14. Who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. The purchased possession, that's the idea of redemption. What was the purchase price? The blood of Christ. In Romans chapter 5 in verse 8, God demonstrates his own love toward us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Oh, the price that God paid that we could be forgiven, redeemed, saved through Jesus Christ? Oh, it was not cheap. The grace of God, the price he paid to offer us that forgiveness, that salvation by his grace, that was an expensive price. Profound price the life of Jesus on the cross. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. John 3 and verse 16. God's grace is not cheap in the response that God expects when you accept his grace. In Romans chapter 6, we look beginning with verse 3. And here Paul wrote, Do you not know that as many of us as were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? Therefore we were buried with him through baptism into death, that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we also should walk in newness of life. Baptized into the death of Christ? buried with him through the waters of baptism, that is, immersed in those waters of baptism. And that's what the word baptize means, immerse. There is no such thing as sprinkling baptism in the New Testament scriptures. 
buried with him through baptism into death, death to sin and its consequence. We have to die to that lifestyle of sin. That just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. We're to be raised up from that watery grave of baptism, washed clean of the guilt of our sins by the blood that Jesus shed on the cross. But we are to be a new creation at that point. Second Corinthians 5 and verse 17, made new. When you put all of that together, it says we've got to turn away from that old life of sinfulness and we've got to become a new creation in Christ spiritually. We've got to live a new life of commitment and that means our entire life needs to be committed to God. Verse 5, for we have been united together in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man was crucified with him, that the body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves of sin, for he who has died has been freed from sin. A changed life a devoted life, a committed life. God does not want piecemeal devotion from us. He wants us. In Galatians 2 and verse 20, Paul talked about this. He said, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me, and gave himself for me. God wants us. He wants our total being. He wants our absolute commitment. Not piecemeal, not halfway, not happenstance, not here and there, not come and go. He wants us to be absolutely devoted to him. Totally. In John chapter 3 and verse 3, we read this. Jesus said, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And then in verse 5, Most assuredly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. We have to be reborn, made new. In Acts chapter 2 and verse 38, when those Jews on Pentecost asked Peter and the rest of the apostles, what shall we do? Now, why did they ask them that question? Because Peter had been preaching to them the gospel of Jesus Christ, the message of salvation through Jesus Christ. And so they said, what must we do? And the very first word out of Peter's mouth was repent. And then he gave them further instruction. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. They needed to die to sin. We've already seen that in Romans chapter 3, verses 3 through 7. As we're baptized into Christ, we die to that old life of sin. We're buried with him. 
As he died on that cross, we die to that old life of sin. As he was buried in that tomb, we're buried with him through the grave of baptism. As he came forth from that tomb, risen, alive, victorious over death, we, came, we come up from that watery grave of baptism, reborn spiritually, forgiven, made new, saved. We're baptized. We've come into Christ. Galatians 3 and verse 27, as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Now, God's grace is not cheap. It's not cheap in the price that he paid for our opportunity to be forgiven and saved by his grace. The price was his son's life on the cross. His blood shed on that cross. It's not cheap in the response that God expects of us in order to accept his salvation by grace, and that is our surrender to him through Jesus, our being reborn through the waters of baptism, baptized into Christ. And it's not cheap in the commitment that God expects of us. We must live our life in a new direction. We must live and be for and be dedicated to him. In Matthew chapter 16, beginning with verse 24, Jesus said, if anyone desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. In other words, we've got to make that transition again. We've got to give up that old life of willful sinfulness, and we've got to come to that new life. We've got to be reborn spiritually, be made new in Christ. Jesus said, be faithful until death, and I will give you the crown of life. Revelation 2 and verse 10. No, God's grace is not cheap. It wasn't cheap in the price that he paid so that we could have the opportunity to be forgiven and saved, to, be, to have a home with him in heaven to look forward to. That price was the death of his son on the cross. An incredible price. Not cheap. God's grace is not cheap in the response that he expects of us to accept his offer of salvation by grace. It's our life. You see, Jesus died for us. He expects us to live for him. In Romans 8 and verse 1, there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. According to the Spirit. We're to be transformed spiritually. Live a new life. The old man, as we read in Romans chapter 6, has to go away. And we have to become that new person. As the Apostle Paul 
stated, as we read in Galatians 2 and verse 20, we've got to allow ourselves that old life style to be crucified with Christ so that we can live that new life in him, be that new person, that new creation, living that new direction. And God's grace is not cheap in the commitment that God expects of us. It is faithfulness, which necessarily includes obedience on a consistent, continual basis for the rest of our lives until the Lord comes again on the final day of judgment. Now this commitment of lifestyle demonstrates that God's grace is not cheap. God's grace is not cheap. Anyone who wants the blessings that come through God's grace without being ready to make the commitment to be that new creation in Christ, to be that faithful, dedicated follower of God through Christ, to be a faithful, dedicated, obedient Christian, that person wants cheap grace, and there's no such thing when we're talking about God's grace. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your offer of grace. Thank you for loving us so much that by your grace we can be saved through Jesus Christ. Help us to understand the commitment that you expect of us in order to receive your grace. And help us, Father, to always reflect your grace through our lives as we live as that new creation in Christ, having died to sin and its guilt and having risen to walk in newness of life in him. We pray that you'll help people all over the world open their eyes to this truth to this opportunity, to your grace, and to open their hearts to humble themselves to come to you to receive that grace. Praise be to you, Father, and glory. Please forgive us and hear our prayer, gracious Father. In Christ's name, amen.